0: This question while you're picking your sermon snack. Why are we here? Let me tell you something about myself. I love French toast. <laughs> like, I really, really love French toast, but I don't eat it that often. Like, I feel like I could have it more for how much I love it. And this is a real thought of mine that I got a few weeks back. And I was sitting and I was contemplating my love of French toast. And I was thinking, I don't want to get to the end of my life. It's the end. And think, I wish I had eaten more French toast. (laughs) Does anyone relate to that? This was, it sounds silly, but I honestly, (laughs) I honestly was thinking that, oh my gosh, what if I get to the end of my life and think I, I wish I'd eaten more French toast? That being said, seriously, why are we here? Why are we here? Why do we exist? You and I. In Colossians chapter one, starting at verse 15, it says this, it says, we look at this son. And we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started at him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. See, he created all things, including you and I, not to supplement his power, but to show his power as we live our purpose in him the only way we can. We exist for Jesus. We exist for Jesus. And whether we want to or not, whether we understand that that is our purpose or not, Recognize it. Every human being exists for the glory of Jesus, the creator, the redeemer, the risen and reigning victor, our, our soon coming king. We exist for Jesus. We were created not to, to supply his needs, not to help him hold up the world, but to eat, to drink, to live, to work, to rest in a way that showcases his power. This is our mission to magnify Jesus, to make him bigger. We do that through worship, and we do that through the expression of our lives. It's why we exist. So today, we are going to launch a brand new series. And this series is giving thanks. See, in our giving and in our thanks, we have a mission to make Jesus bigger. It's why we're here. So the next few weeks, I'm actually going to kind of focus in, or all of us as we, as we speak, on the giving part, and then we'll move into the thanks. So today, the topic is money with mission. A few weeks ago, if you were here, we presented a, um, a mission trip that we're going to go on in the spring, uh, June, I guess early summer, uh, 2023 to the Czech Republic. And we've been there so many times, and we have a, a, an ongoing, consistent relationship with a local pastor there in a, in a nearby city to the city of Prague. It's called Kalarivari. And this pastor's name is Larry or La, Lav, Lavislav Robos. We call him Larry. That he, he tells us to call him that. We just don't like randomly call him Larry. That would be very disrespectful. Um we have gone there many times, and when we, when we go, we just see this man who has literally given his life for the cities of, of where he lives, and it is a hard place to minister. It is a tough people there. They are without hope. As you walk in the streets, they will not make eye contact. They, they don't like to, you know, engage very much. We go into the schools and we talk to the high school students, and they're in, they're learning English. So we go in and talk to them in English. And and they are, why would you come here? There's nothing here. We just want to get out of here. There's no purpose. What's the point? These are the things that they deal with. So we go and we help bear the weight of the ministry that he's been carrying for so long as he gives his life for these cities. And then we go and we you know, encourage him, and we see, man, we've seen... Uh, radical healings and we've seen radical salvations and 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 you know the hope is that we are coming alongside and providing encouragement and we have a small part to play in the mission that he has in his city um why do we go back even though it's a hard place to minister to make jesus bigger to make him bigger to live our purpose this is one way we get to do that today we're going to talk about money as i talked about money with mission Because we are people with mission, and we are people with money. (laughs) But have we stopped to consider the mission of our money? See, we can't go into all the world and disciple the nations without money. There is no going without giving. We give time, we give skills, we give the education that we've learned, and we also give our money. Now, I'm not taking another offering today. So, like, honestly... I just want to say this because, the, you know, Paul talked about giving freely and generously as is in your heart. Between So literally this message today is all about you and Jesus. No one's going to ask you anything of like what you're thinking or what you want to do. And this is just, so just take it all in and just receive what God wants to do in your life today. All right? We give our money. Missions, missions is so unique in the church because... We are called the impact nations, correct? However, this doesn't necessarily mean we have to go somewhere else because how many know the nations come to us, right? But sometimes it does mean going. Other times it means not going in the conventional sense of going. So I need to stop and ask myself, what is my part in making Jesus big and magnify him? Do I go to another country? Do I offer to help with my skills here or abroad? Do I give my money or do I send someone else with my money to go? Money with mission. See, our parts might be different, but we all have equal part. Yeah. And finding that is sometimes a process. This is so interesting because year after year, if we put out a, um, a trip to, to go you know, on a mission sh- on a trip and we, we, we present it, there is, generally speaking, a large number of sign-ups at the beginning. And then the weeks start to pass and people been dropping like flies. <laughs> it's just like drop drop now. If you're like a fly that's dropped before, no offense. Okay, like <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But like typically that happens. But why does that happen? I mean it's kind of comical, but it's because you sign up under the excitement. I'm gonna be a laid-down lover. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna go on this trip. I'm gonna make Jesus big. This is gonna be awesome, you know. And and then you go home and you think about it. And you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You think about the money, you think about the time, you think about the sacrifice, you think about your family, you think about who you're leaving behind, you think about the the enormous amount of details that you have to, to work out. You start to fear. What if I die on the trip? I mean, I'm serious. These things go through your mind. You think, what if something bad happens at home to my family? You, you start to feel guilty for leaving, for spending the money, for giving, for blank, you fill in the blank. And then the enemy jumps in while you're thinking all these things and he rationalizes all of them. They are like, he, he's like, they are valid concerns. You have to be realistic. You have to think about these things. You have to be responsible. And then you're like, you know what? I just don't feel like I'm supposed to go. And, and you come to us and you say, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go. And we're like, well, didn't Jesus say go? He didn't change his mind. So like what, what happened? Oh, I think I had it wrong the first time. So what makes you think you got it right the second time? Well, he didn't actually, I didn't actually hear him say go. I think I was just being selfish, actually, and wanting to do it for me. So it was selfish of you to lay down your life, give your time, your money, your inconvenience. There's never been one trip I've ever gone on that I didn't fight the temptation to not go. It's me. This can be true of our money as well. Because only a fraction of missions is going and getting on the ground. Only a few people go, but many put them there. Our money has mission. And our call to missions is is, is not just to, to be the one going. It's not necessarily to go, but it's to go in a different way. Our money makes the way. See, maybe you'll never personally travel for missions. I don't know. Maybe you won't. But your money can take you around the world. You are an equal missionary as you give and put someone else there that needs uh, the love of Jesus. My grandfather, uh, he was like our family patriarch, okay? And then uh, after he died, I feel like my uncle picked up that mantle and carried it for a bit. And and But my grandfather, like, lived and breathed the presence of God. And it's my mom's dad. And he, um, everyone in the little town he was from called him Uncle Alan. Um, he just was just a friend to everyone, a mentor, and he prayed. He was an intercessor, and he had such a big heart for missions, but he never ever went on a missions trip. His entire life, his entire life, he never once went on a mission trip, but he would give his money week after week after week, dollar after dollar. He would just give his money, and he would put other people there, and he would pray. I kid you not, uh, when he would come to visit us, he, they would, you know stay in our spare bedroom and I was just little and I'd walk back past the bedroom and I'd look in and it was like the creepiest sight I ever saw for a kid and he would be kneeling on his bed with a blanket over him praying in the spirit I'm telling you what I was like what is happening here as a kid he would just be praying for missionaries praying for countries praying for the Lord to move he never went on one mission trip. But he went on a lot of mission trips. See, equal calling, equal mission. Money can do a lot of things. We know that. They say it can't bring happiness, but it brings temporal happiness, right? Like if I buy something, I'm enjoying it. Like I'm happy, right? Yeah. It can give us toys. It can put us on family vacations and have trips. And, and those things are, are great. But money with mission can transform nations can impact people, can change a city, can refresh a church. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to go today. Paul, in the book of Philippians, has joined up in this ultimate aim of magnifying Jesus. This was Christ's aim in creating Paul, and now it is Paul's aim in living. See, the height of our misstep as individuals, which is indeed suicidal in the spirit and in the physical and in the natural is to ignore the ultimate reason we exist and try to figure it out as we go along. Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. He wanted his life to be in sync with the ultimate reason he existed. So he, he, he talks about living his mission for Jesus in life and in death and he said, I don't care which way it ends, which way it is, uh, my life is not my own and I'm going to live for him. him. Cuz missions happens here, missions happens around the world, missions happens when we go and missions happens when we stay. And Paul's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to live my mission. Our money must have mission and our giving must support eternal causes, causes. So then, as we go through Philippians 4, we need to ask, what's my process here? Do I stay, do I go, do I give a little, do I give a lot? And how does my specific mission fit within the broad call to magnify Jesus on the earth? Like what does it mean for me specifically? I like to call this Paul's three Ps of Philippians 4. Paul's three Ps of Philippians 4. That's where we're going to camp, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, and your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Paul's first P right here that I'm going to bring out is to pray about it all. To pray about it. You're like, am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to stay? Am I supposed to put my personal finances to go? Or am I supposed to put my personal finances to send someone else to help our missionaries who are over there? Like, pray about it all. There's no excuses. There's no, you don't have to change your mind. You don't have to flip-flop back and forth. There's no giving room for disruptive or destructive thoughts of what could be, what would be, what should be, what might be. Pray about it all. Take it to Jesus, not to people. I'm telling you what, you take it to four different people and all four will come back with something different. None of which probably prayed about it for you. Now, it's different if you're like, pray about this for me and let's come back and have a conversation. I love that. There's wisdom in counsel. I love that. But don't just bounce it off a few people. Pray about it all. Take it to the Lord. If you're going to bounce it off anyone, bounce it off Jesus. Paul's verse P, pray about it all. Verse 7 says, and God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of his salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content, which that word content means self-sufficient, with his earthly lot, whatever sort that is, which transcends all understanding. So we don't get it, but it's there. Shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds. So with protection from those thoughts and fears that could invade. See, the Philippians lived in a garrison town. So the military reference here isn't lost on them. It's not from nowhere that Paul's saying this. It's something they totally understood. They would be familiar of the Roman century keeping watch. So they're like, okay, I get it. I get it. God's peace will be mine as I pray about it all. See, Paul's second P is peace in it all. Pray about it all and then peace in it all. And God's peace shall be yours. See, anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. They just can't coexist. Yeah. So, as we pray, God's peace will be present in it all. It's a tranquil state of a soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions. Sometimes our emotions are the worst. It's that tranquil state of our soul assured, fearing nothing. But you have to stay in prayer because remember, the Bible talks about how the enemy stalks us, waiting in lurch for us to step out of that camp, step out of that protection of the Lord, protection from the flock. We have to stay close to the shepherd. We have to stay close so that we're safe from the stalking of the enemy that will get in your thoughts and validate them and tell them that's just being real. That's just being smart. See, the minute you start 2nd guessing the, the going or the giving, how much I should give, you have, a, it, it, it's, you have a responsibility to pull yourself back in because we should be growing up in the Lord. We should be able to pull ourselves back into alignment. Pray for it all unlocks a place of peace for you to stay in. See, because we're, we're no pray, there's no peace. When we experience fear, it's because we've stepped out of that. We've stepped out of God's presence because in his presence, there's perfect love. And perfect love removes all fear. So if you have concerns, if you find yourself saying, well, I'm just worried about or I'm just kind of concerned for, it's an indicator that maybe we're not staying in that place of prayer where peace is present. I don't need to talk you off a cliff. Honestly, you know him. You know him. You know the Lord. You trust him. You're just having a moment, right? I have a moment too sometimes where I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, no, that's not God. That's not God. Remember your decision. Remember what he said. Remember the call and go for it. You never regret giving To Jesus. Because Paul's second P is peace in it all. You pray for it all, and there's peace in it all. Verse 8 For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on, weigh, And take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. You see, you are have a problem keeping peace when you're not like right in that prayer closet moment? Stop thinking about the other stuff and think on these things. Practice what you have learned. See, this takes focus. This takes intention. You don't just wake up doing this. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in Mises and model your way of living in it. And God's peace will be with you. It takes practice to perfect your peace. I've talked about it before how we uh, have an exercise regimen okay in our house and Craig and I have started this and then our kids have kind of picked it up just we never told them they had to that would be crazy if we were just like get up and work out you know we didn't do that Uh, but they just kind of like watched us and then they started doing it and um, but it took years of intention on our part before it became an involuntary something that just happened so it was I mean, when we made the decision, we made the decision to always do it, but still it wasn't involuntary. You know what I mean? Where you just like, you just get up and you don't even know you're away. It's like driving to work every day for like years. Suddenly you're like, how did I get here? (laughs) That's kind of how it is. After years of intention, it becomes almost involuntary. But still sometimes I hear that little voice. You don't need to do it today. You've done it a lot. You deserve a break. And you know what I do? I tell that lazy voice to go back to lazy hell. I'm just kidding. I don't do that, but I should. I should. I don't listen to it. I just quiet it within me, and I get up, and I do what I have practiced. It takes practice to perfect your peace. See, we have to practice the giving and the thanks, which will come later in the series. But it's not just something that happens. You may not have been born that way, where you're just like a natural giver. You may not not wake up that day with a heart to give. You may not have been raised that way. You may not be a natural giver, but that doesn't mean you can't be a supernatural one. There's peace for you in it all. Verse 10, I was made very happy in the Lord that you have now revived your interest in my welfare after so long time. You were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity. So it seems as though they were giving, and then there was like a pause, and then they uh, started back again. Not that I am implying, he said, that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and live humbly in straitened circumstances, and I also know how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. Paul's like, you know what? I've done it both ways, Honestly. It's not the source of my joy, so it's all good. He said, I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having sufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. He said, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and everything through him who infuses me with inner strength. I am self-sufficient, again, that word, it translates with content, back and forth, in Christ's sufficiency. However, all that, it was right, he said, it was right and commendable and noble for you to contribute to my needs and share my difficulties with me. See, Paul's third P is provide for it all. Now, maybe not literally, maybe. But provide for all that God has asked of us. Provide for it all. Paul's like, guys, listen, I'm good, so good. But that's besides the point. It was right and commendable and noble of you to contribute to my needs and to share in my difficulties he's like i'm out here sharing the gospel i'm on the ground i'm doing the work i know god's got me i'm super content i'm super sufficient in christ's sufficiency i I, we got it god and i got it but the reality is that doesn't negate your responsibility to give because it's right it's commendable and it's noble for you to give to my work why to share in my difficulties It's a way for you to go without the going. We don't all go, but we all go. See, the fruit is all of ours as we give in different ways that's asked of us. But you don't get the fruit without sharing in the toil, in the labor, in the sacrifice, in the giving. I was walking through a shopping center once, and I was just walking along, doing my thing, and a man approached me and asked me for bus money. And I was like, oh, I don't have any change. And I walked on. And then suddenly I remember I have some $1 bills. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I do have $1 bills. And then God said, give this man all your $1 bills. I didn't know how many I had. I couldn't I couldn't remember. I was like, okay. So I stopped. I looked back to make sure he was like still kicking around. He was like sitting on a bench now. And um, I opened my, my wallet and I had uh, like I think five $1 bills, four or five. And then I actually noticed that I actually had some bigger bills as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually have more than I thought. God said, give him all your $1 bills. I didn't give the man the other bills. Because God said, give him all your $1 bills. See, in that moment, I was responsible for what God asked of me. I didn't have to feel guilted into giving everything. I was responsible for what he asked of me. So I went back and I said, hey, I have some $1 bills. And I gave him um, the $1 bills. Now, if God had said, give him all the money, take him on a shopping spree, buy him a monthly bus pass, feed him dinner, I would have been responsible for that. See, we should provide for all that God's asked of us. Today, it might be all your $1 bills. In five years, you could pay for someone's entire missions trip. In 10 years, maybe you'll give a car to someone. It won't feel any harder later on than the $1 bills feel today because Jesus takes you on a journey and sometimes the very little feels really hard when you're at the beginning. And then it feels hard later when it's like bigger, but it doesn't feel any harder, it feels the same hard. Because you're on a process and you're growing in trust and learn, learning his heart for you and his blessing back in your life. See, it will always be hard. We're not called the easy. It's okay for our giving to hurt. Yeah, that's right. Provide for it all. All that God's asked of you. And you, Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry when I left Macedonia no church entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you only this word here is used common transactions like uh, installments or payments so he's like listen not everyone does this not everyone's gonna give a recurring gift on push pay guys (laughs) but he's like you did not everyone's going to get it but someone will For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs. He said, not just once, but also a second time. He's like, I see the pattern of your faithfulness. I see your pattern of giving. There is an individual that attends this church that I am not going to name just to um, protect her identity in this. But she is one that you would know. She doesn't have a lot of money. Okay? And uh, she has done... Her best in just raising her family well and giving to the Lord, and um, she gives to missions every month. She doesn't miss a month. It's shocking because she doesn't have very much, and that's over and above her normal giving. But she gives submissions every month. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's like, I see a pattern of your faithfulness. I see a pattern of your giving. He's like, not that I seek, not that I'm eager for your gift. But I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your account. The blessing that's accumulating. He's like, to be completely straight with you, it's actually not about me at all. It's about you. I'm doing what God's asked of me, but are you doing what God's asked of you? And and, and he's like, yeah, you are, actually. You are. Because he says, but I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gift you sent me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and which he delights. See, with this last gift that you sent through Aphrodite, he's like, I now have everything I need. I'm totally supplied. I'm going to continue my mission. You get it. You understand there's no going without the giving. And, and you also understand that the one on the go is not the only one going. We're all going as you give. And then he said, because of that, there's this, my God will supply all your needs fill to the full every need according to his riches in glory it's like the cherry on top you know in in addition to you fulfilling your mission to make jesus big in addition to you feeling good because you're sowing into good ground in addition to you being obedient to what god's have asked of you specifically because of all that you're about to reap back a blessing in your life so big to the full your every need wow I would love one day to buy a house for someone, wouldn't that be cool? I would love one day to send a family on a dream vacation, wouldn't that be awesome to send a young family, all these kids, and they just pick where you want to go. I would love to maybe pay for someone's health insurance for an entire year that couldn't afford it, right? Maybe provide a way for someone, a missionary, to live on the mission field for an entire year. Just like, you know, I, you know don't worry about it like I got it. It would be so cool. Money with mission. See, we are here to make Jesus big, and, and one, one way we get to do that is through giving. There are so many ways to make Jesus big. It's just one way. Giving our money a mission. Giving our money a purpose. This puts us in places in the world that we might never go, or maybe it puts us in places in the world that we want to go. Missions trips or ministry trips or things like that. We just fund ourselves. You don't have to give to someone else. If you feel like you're supposed to go and you're like, you know what, I think I'm supposed to sew in. I'm just going to pay for it. Sometimes we think we have to get it from someone else when we want to go. When really God's just asking us to pay, cover it. It's an interesting twist. <laughs> See, it's either we go or we go. Either way, we're going. And either way, we're making Jesus big. Maybe it's $1 bills. Maybe it's $2,000 check. Maybe it's a million-dollar donation. Don't box it in. Don't box God in. (sighs) That would be the coolest. See, our lives are not compartments. We exist to make Jesus big with every part. So God, what are you asking of me? That's the question. What are you asking of me? It's our action step. You know, we have the check mission trip coming up. Maybe maybe my part is to help someone go on that. Maybe it's to give to the church over there so they can do more on the ground. Maybe it's um, just a recurring gift to Mord's missions. Well, there's a lot of missionaries we support. Maybe it's that. You're just like, you know what? I'm going to give five dollars a week fifty dollars a month this doesn't matter it's, it's again this is like you and jesus maybe it's maybe it's this building And when and when craig mentioned it earlier and we were thanking jesus for our new building maybe you're like i'm gonna give the 19 million that's my part <laughs> i wish that was my part maybe it will be god what are you asking of me 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. It says, now, now as you abound and excel, and you are at the front of everything in faith, in expressing yourselves in zeal and love and knowledge, all those things, excel also in this gracious work of almsgiving. It's like you're doing really well in your faith. You're doing really well in your love. You're doing really well in your zeal. You're excelling in all these things. Now excel in giving. It is then my counsel, Paul says, to say this it is profitable, it is fitting. For you now, which more than a year ago, you not only began, but were the first to wish to do anything about contributions to the relief of the saints of Jerusalem. He's like, you started it a while ago. And I'm counseling you again that it's actually really good for you to pick that up again. To continue what you started. It's good for you. See, we, when, we, when we start something and then we, we quit, we, it, it, it affects us. We struggle when we quit on something that we've made a, a, a covenant with or a promise. But when we, when we stay true and when we follow through, when we pick it back up, we begin to thrive as we, we are walking in obedience and, and just our love for Jesus. And God is able to make all grace every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under, under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, no support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Wow. I don't need anything. I have it all. And actually, if you need some, come get it. Wouldn't that be Amazing. And God who provides, I love this, and God who provides seed for the sower. (laughs) And bread for the eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay, you're like, I want to sow, but I don't have any money. He provides seed to the sower. So if you're a sower, he's going to start throwing seed at you. He's just like throwing seed at you because you're a sower. He knows that when you catch the seed, you're just going to sow it back in. So it's a continual open hand of in and out, in and out, in and out. And you will have all that you need and more beside for every charitable donation and good work. He provides seed to the source. And when we don't have it, we ask God for it. God, can you provide the seed? And when you get your seed, don't eat it. Don't eat your seed. If it doesn't meet the need, it's only a seed. You sow your seed. Your need will be met, and you'll have more than enough to sow again. It will unlock your provision. I'm gonna have um, the worship team come. You know, truly, our giving is all about worship. Paul said that the money gifts given to him were the fragrant odor or perfume of an offering and sacrifice, which God's welcome, and he said, which God delighted in. This is an Old Testament reference, okay, to an act that requires a sacrificial and self-denying cost. Our money, when given a mission, not only promotes the cause of Christ by making him bigger. It does that. It's like living our purpose. It not only brings health and strength and resource to the person on the ground that's over there doing the work of the ministry, but top all of that, all of that aside, that's amazing. But it is a beautiful, fragrant, odor, act of worship that God delights in. (gasps) Come on, that's all I need. It's that moment when you walk and you smell that fall pumpkin candle. (laughs) You're like, oh, that smells so good. Or the the morning coffee smell. (laughs) Maybe it's the scent of your husband and wife that you just love so much. You're like, oh, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my person. It's the cookies being baked in the oven. I love that one. Citrus fields the winter crisp air the smells that are pleasing that you delight in and the father says when you give It comes to me as a perfume as an offering Rising up to heaven and I delight in it I delight in your offering and I delight in the giving of your life and of your money because really all I want is you all of you our giving offers a beautiful aroma of worship that God just plain enjoys. So God, what are you asking of me today? Let's just do that. Nothing more, nothing less. What are you asking of me? If you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I just want, I'm okay with asking God that question. I'm okay with that. I'm a little scared. <laughs> but I'm, go, I'm okay with it. I'm going to trust him. Just as a response, I'm just going to ask you, Just you can close your eyes, if, but just to stand. If you're like, I'm, I'm going to ask God that question, what you ask of me. If you would just stand with me in this moment. We're going to sing a song. Ryan and Sandra are going to lead us in a song, and this is a song of consecration. And what I want us to do as we, as we close out this morning with this song, I want us to take a moment and say, God, what do you ask of me? No one's going to come up to you and say, what did he say? You are free to share with a friend or Someone, if you want prayer together to join and say, give me the courage to do what he's asked of me. But no one's going to come and then check in on it. This is between you and Jesus. But as we sing, I encourage you to ask God, what are, you, what are you asking of me to do? What is my part in making you big today? What is my part in giving today? And when he tells you, grab your phone or a piece of paper whatever, and write that thing down. You can stay where you are as we sing, or you can feel free to come up here or move around the room or sit or kneel. But we're just going to take this moment, sing out to the Lord, and consecrate our lives to Him.